Hi, I'm Courtney. This is Something Positive for Positive People, the podcast where we talk with people who are living with or affected by STDs. Today, I am here with Swazette. Swazette, who are you? Swazette is an African-American woman who lives in North Carolina that just so happens to be HSV2 positive. For those who don't know what that is, it means I have genital herpes. Wow, you got straight to it. Now, how old are you? I am 49. No way. You look like 29. I give you like 30. Maybe you'd be pushing 30. Thank so we're, you. We're, we're on Facebook Live Messenger and we're just recording this conversation here. And like we're looking at each other. Y'all, you didn't do your hair and makeup and all of that for this, did you? You know they can't see you. Well, let me just say this. First of all, I don't wear makeup. What? All natural. So, just all natural and the hair is just blown out so i can get my hands cut but trust me i'll be back to the nappy roots by sunday i like it i like it and um what is your sexual preference males and what city what is your geographical location i live in north carolina born and bred country girl okay Last question. You ready? Well, not last question, but last question about, you know, what you look like or what like what I like to do here is just get an image of the person I'm talking to so that the listeners can relate it to someone that they may know um, based on what they look like or their age or career field. So the last thing I have for you is what is your career field? My career field is I work for United Way 211, which is an information referral service. It's in every state across the country. People call in when they want resources to help them with things like their rent or utility bills or right. things of that nature. Man, I feel like you just gave like the whole description. You gave them an ad. We're going to have to charge them for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, let's talk about how you contracted HSV2. You want to start there? I contracted HSV2 from my second marriage um, with the what I thought was the love of my life. Um, and unbeknownst to him, he didn't know that he had it as well. He had something called um, urethema multiforme. Um, that you have is to explain a, that one. Yes, I'm getting ready to. <laughs> a urethema multiforme is um, something that causes lesions on the skin. Um, and they're very painful lesions to the degree that you sometimes, if you get them in your mouth, you can't even swallow. And okay. that's what would even happen with him. Um, but he would get him on his hands, on his feet, never on the genitalia, and in his mouth and down his throat. And it would be to the degree where he would have to go and be in the hospital and get um, fed IV, um, what do you call it, um, antibiotics to help um, cure, you know, help him get rid of the outbreak. Okay. So would we be able to say that this is kind of like herpes for different parts of the body? Like, is that what they would say? Is that what the medical professional said? Yes, but that was the thing. He was never told that that's what caused it. He was never told that the urethema multiforme um, was a result of having the herpes. That is actually something that I brought to his attention once I got diagnosed and was able to backtrack and figure out who I had been with Mm -hmm. to try to figure out where it came from because I'm just that, for lack of better words, anal um, and wanted to know. But I knew it had to be either him or the person that I dated after I divorced. Okay. Because other than that, I had a quote-unquote clean bill of health. Okay. Okay. And so when you were diagnosed, how did you bring it to his attention? I actually sent him um, a message, a text, 
saying, hey, you know, I need to talk to you. I want to do it um, by actually Skype. And we talked by Skype and I let him know um, that what my diagnosis was. And he was not, quote unquote, in denial, but he didn't believe that he it came from him. And I said, well, it had to either come from you or the person that I dated after we um, divorced. Okay. And so I contacted that person as well, the same way saying, I need to speak with you. Um, the person that I dated, you know, his results came back in like a week. Mm-hmm. He was in the military. His, he said, hey, you know, I don't have it. If you need to Skype, I can show you the doctor's paperwork. I'm like, cool. Well, the, the funny thing about the ex was it took almost a month for him to finally tell me. Not only did he have HSV-1, he had HSV-2. Oh, okay. Now, my question to you is when you um, when you, you brought it to his attention and what was his immediate response was what? His immediate response was, you know, are you sure you got it from me? Ah. That you um, you have been with someone in the past that you thought had it. And I said, no. Uh huh. Now, how did you find out you had it? Did you begin to feel symptoms? I did. Okay. Um, I be- I had an outbreak on my perineum. Um, and what, and that's of course, for those who may be listening and not know, that is the skin that is between the vagina and the rectum. I had three little bumps and I thought it was simply because me being a particular woman that I accidentally picked up the wrong panty liners. I picked up the deodorant as, a, as opposed to the regular and thought I was having a allergic reaction. So I went in for my annual and when I went in for my annual, my doctor said, um, Hey, there's something here that's a little different you know, um, you have some scarring. And I said, well, I know what scarring is because I'm also an esthetician by trade, meaning skincare specialist. Right. And so I said to her, she said, there's, you know, she said, you have scarring. I said, so what do you mean? And she says, well, has something happened down here going on? And I said, well, I had three little bumps. I put some antibacterial ointment on it. In a couple of days, it went away. She said, so it didn't like hurt or anything. I said, no, it was just kind of uncomfortable, like itchy. And so she said, I think I know what it is because lesions usually leave scarring, meaning hyperpigmentation or, you know, raised skin. And I said, fine. So she did that on a Thursday. I'll never forget it. It was a Thursday before Easter. I went out of town that Friday for Easter vacation, came back, and she called me that Tuesday morning before I even got out of bed. That's how close of a relationship she and I had. And she called my cell phone to tell me, well, hey, I got something I need to tell you. It's what I thought it was. And I said, and what is that? And she said, you have genital herpes. And, you know, went into shock, laid there, cried for a bit. And then just got to the point of saying, you know what? I got to get up, put my good big girl panties on and deal with this. Not the deodorant ones, right? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you went through your crying phase. Was there anyone that you told that you sought out for comfort? Or was it just something that you dealt with on your own? At- at first, I did not because you couldn't tell me that I wasn't walking around. You know how they say you have like the scarlet letter R. I had this, you know, scarlet letter for red or whatever. I had, I felt like I had herpes on my forehead and everybody knew. Right. So it was literally after that for probably about a month. It was work, home, church, work, home, church. Um, even if I had errands to run, I'd go to the grocery store on my way home because I just felt like everybody knew. And of course, nobody knew. Right. But that's just how I felt. I felt dirty. I felt that no one was going to ever want me. Um, but you know, that, that all changed. And when I first started dating after the diagnosis, I would wait until the guy would come in to kiss me. And I said, listen, I need to tell you something, you know, because I'm not, I don't ever call people ignorant, but people are ignorant to the facts. So I would always express, well, look, I have genital herpes. I don't have oral herpes. And I don't know if that's something you want to deal with. 
And eventually, you know, the guys, you know, would stop calling. So after that happened to me the third time, I was like, I'm just going to let the next person I date, you know, let them know up front before I even go out with them to save, you know, to save their feelings and mine. Okay, so when you got back into the dating game, you would go on a few dates, and then when they leaned in for a kiss, you'd hold up. I need to tell you something. All right. Right. So after the first couple of dates, and you got to the point where you started telling people up front, what was their reaction? No, I didn't do it up front. I would oh. still wait. I okay. would still wait till they became, you know, until they wanted to um, become, I guess, on an intimate level. Right, right. And I would still wait until then. But it was after that happened a third time that when I dated the fourth person who eventually became my now ex-husband, um, I would, I said to him, even on the phone, I said, listen, I said, it's something I need to tell you. And I told him and he says, oh, I still want to get to know you. I'm going to get right. So after dating on the phone for the second week, um, we finally went out, and as they say, the rest became history. Okay. How long were you two married? Wait, you you did get married, right? Yeah, we did okay. get married. Was this we, the um, one you said? For a year. Is this the one you said was the love of your life? No. Oh, the, okay. The second one is was the love of the life. Okay. So I thought. Oh, you put up the quotations, the air quotes. <laughs> there we go. So I thought. Um, but the, the second one, you, the third one, you couldn't tell me cause I've been married a third time. This last husband was my third husband. I can be honest about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just knew that this was the forever. Right. Um, but I realized that I, we were put together for a season, mm-hmm. um, because a year and a month into our marriage, my, um, now ex was diagnosed with HIV. Talk us through that. So wow, yeah, um, let's let's go. Yeah, talking, yeah, talking through that is a lot better than what it used to be. Uh-huh. Um, we found out that he had it. Um, what happened is he ended up having um, a foot tumor that had been underneath his foot forever and a day. He had the foot tumor removed um, from a podiatrist. Was put on an antibiotic. And what happened is by him being a healthy man and not being a smoker or being um, or drinking alcohol and, you know, playing pickup ball and staying, you know, staying active and athletic, his immune system was always boosted. So by being put on these antibiotics, he was put on three different antibiotics within a month's time. For for his foot, right? In the foot. Okay. So that broke down his immune system. You know, you know, screwed up the red and the white cell count, which brought up to the surface the HIV. We were told um, he got really sick, ended up with colitis and C. diff. Um, they treated that. So they said, OK, we've treated you long enough for this that we should be seeing a turnaround. They didn't see a turnaround. So they said, well, could you, you mind if we test you for other things? And he said, of course not. So they tested him, you know, they did the full panel of the STD and the cancer and all that. And it came back positive for HIV. I'll never forget it because it was on my father's birthday, who was now in heaven on June 3rd. Um, like I said, a year and a month into our marriage. And then two days later, they come back with the final results to be told that you have full-blown AIDS. Wow. Um, completely rocked both of our worlds. His concern became for me, like, you know, babe, I need you to go get tested. I need to make sure you're okay. So don't worry, I'm already on it. Um, I got tested. And and I uh, found out that I was negative, but we, you know, you have to do the three months, mm-hmm. you have to do the nine months, and then I think you do the twelve months. Wow. Now, how did you feel when you found out that you tested negative? So this is someone you you'd been with him for a while. 
I had been with him for a while, and mm-hmm. I knew that it was only by the grace of God that I was HIV free. But right. just at that three month mark, that still wasn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you do it again. I think it's six or nine. Yeah. But I think for me, I was just so fearful, to be honest, that I did three, six, nine, and twelve. Yeah. I actually just did my last test October of last year, oh. and my uh, and my OB told me she said, "Okay, we're not doing it anymore." Oh, so she this said, was... "I know you need a peace of mind, yeah. but if you got it by now, I'm sorry." She said, "But we're not gonna keep doing it." She said, "I promise you, sweetheart, you are okay." So this but was, it was super recent. This was really recent. I thought it was a little bit longer ago. No, I mean, like, we, okay, so we got married in, let's see, we met in 2011, got married in 2012. He got diagnosed in 2013. Oh, my. So, yes. Okay. So, yes. So, I was officially cleared in 2014. Yeah. But just me, you know, because everything is still not known about HIV. Let's just be honest about right, it. Right, right. Um, so, I just wanted that extra peace of mind. So, I had my last HIV test of me to prove that I was negative for myself mm-hmm. um, in October of last year of 2015 or 16. Okay. So you found out that you tested negative. Now you have to go to that three month, six month, nine month, and then you did the 12 month. What was happening? I, I can imagine you were freaking out after the three month. You're like, Oh my God. Okay. We don't have it now. All right. Now I'm waiting on six months. Were you just on edge about it the whole time? Or what? I, 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 you know what? I'd be okay. And then right before it was time to go get tested again, the anxiety level will increase, would mm-hmm. increase. And then I'd be okay until like maybe a couple of weeks before the next test. Yeah. And it went up and down. And in that process, because I have HSV and we know HSV too, and we know that one of the yes. triggers is stress. Here I go with an outbreak. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, is this an outbreak of herpes or is this an outbreak of something else? Yeah, because and when you have herpes, the risk of contracting HIV is also higher. So it is. that is, and that's another thing that freaked me out. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what did the, what kind of advice or guidance did the doctors give you along this process? Were you given any medication or anything to take? I was not given any medication um, as far as, you know, anything for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband, or, you know, now ex-husband, he was, um, you know, doing his atripola. Uh, he was doing his isentris to boost his immune system because it was low and to keep him from having pneumonia. Got it. Um, and so he was doing his, you know, I guess, quote unquote, cocktail. But, you know, the cocktail was now the one of the atripola. And he, you know, eventually became undetectable. Okay. Um, even before we divorced, he actually became um, cured of Hep C because he was um, blessed enough to be on ADAP, um, which is the government-funded um, insurance that takes care of those who can't afford the meds. So okay. he became undetect—he became undetectable as far as HIV, and he was cured of Hep C as well because Hep C and HIV go hand in hand. Okay, I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. Most of the time they go ahead. That's a lot of times when people, they they suspect somebody of having um, HIV when they have hep C. So mm-hmm. usually if somebody comes in and they have hep C, they want to test them Okay. for HIV because it's been dormant. Right. Like it happened with my ex. And the crazy thing is my ex was diagnosed with hep C a while back. And like the doctors told him, it had probably been in his body for 10 years. Because of how low his immune system dropped, my ex's my ex's uh, count was a twenty one. Out of out of what has sh- okay, so you're considered to have HIV okay. um, if you are two hundred and up, and that is your 
T-cell count. Okay. Right? A hundred and a two hundred and up is um HIV. One ninety nine and under is AIDS. He was a twenty one. The viral load count was almost four billion copies. Okay. Wow. So when your viral so it's supposed to be flipped. Mm-hmm. So you're supposed to have a low viral and a high T. He yeah. was flipped. Okay. All right, so just so I have an understanding, low T cells but high viral. Mm-hmm. So I mean it's more of the virus than what you can fight off, basically. Is that right. what you're saying? According here? to science, but okay. by the grace of God, he is still here and he's a walking, living, breathing miracle. And I told yeah. him that every day that we were together. Okay. Now you two were together when you found out. Was there ever any point where you just accepted it and was like, all right, I got it. Because I mean, we've been married for so long and I'm sure you guys were uh, sexually active being married. Well, this is the funny part about it. Um, we were not because that's, I, I, as I've talked to people and, and said that I wanted to make sure that I could be a voice and that's why I'm glad I'm doing this today, is that I wanted to be a voice to help others. If I help one person to keep it from happening to their relationship, no matter whether they're married or just dating, um, in his mind, if he made love to his wife, he was going to kill her. So because of that, the sexual and the intimacy was none after that. Oh, after that, I mean, like beforehand, I'm talking about when you two were, when you first got married and before you knew about his HIV, you were sexually right. active. So yes. he found out about it and then you guys stopped uh, engaging in sexual activity. Okay. So I, do you, does he have an idea of how he could have contracted it at all? He says no. So I go with that. Okay. Got it. Got it. Uh-huh. All right. Wow. So you guys continue to maintain a relationship throughout this entire process until you get tested and you find out you don't have it and you two stayed together. Is that right? Yes, we stayed together because my vow was to God and to him. And you don't walk out just because somebody's diagnosed. Okay. now he you did divorce. So what was the final straw? What was it that led to you to divorce? Was not due to the diagnosis. The divorce was not dealing with the mental piece mm-hmm. of it that came with it because I stated in his mind, if I make love to my wife, I'm going to kill her. Even though you're being told all of the medical factors of it, and even though you have a willing wife, you know that's willing to do the the prep. Mm-hmm. You know, as we know, take the prep to keep from, you know me catching the HIV or the HIV because I am at a higher risk because I do have herpes. So even with me taking the prep and him using the condom, it still was not imaginable to him mm-hmm. because he was like, I just, I just can't do it. And, and I do equate it to him loving me that much. Right. But I also equate it to that something that you needed to deal with on a mental level. Yeah. Um, you know, and just deal with it and just go to counseling and, and counseling was tried. Um, I even went with him, and it still did not work. Um, mm. So I, that's what I equate the um, the downfall to our, our marriage to, is not dealing with the mental piece. And you were okay with proceeding with the relationship and having that intimacy with him, um, given the knowledge that you have about the medications to make it... Is it... Okay, so... I'm hearing multiple things. I hear undetectable means you cannot transmit it. But then there are statements out um, in different organizations that are saying the risk is reduced. So is undetectable untransmittable completely or does it lower the risk of transmission? It lowers the risk of 
risk of transmission. It does not completely take it away because as our, as his doctor would say, and I would say our doctor because I went with him to every appointment. You're right, right. As she would say, um, you know, if you want to go un- unprotected, you can. Mm-hmm. He said, now, do I recommend it? No. He said, but I believe you're at a lower risk, a low enough level that you won't transmit to your wife. But the only drawback is because she is herpes positive. And if she was not herpes positive, he said, I will tell you to go for it. Okay. And the reason, because of that, I suggest that you don't. Okay. And the reason I ask is just because, I mean, in the event that someone is out there who's listening to this, who thinks, okay, I'm undetectable. I don't have to have that uncomfortable conversation about me having HIV because I'm on the medications and I'm undetectable, so I'm untransmittable, or I can't transmit it. So I just want to make sure, you know, to be clear that the risk is not eliminated. I mean, until, you know, there's all types of science that supports that, um, I can't, I mean, I can't allow anybody on here to just be like, no, you can't get it. So just out of ethics, you know, until there's actual factual uh, details about it being untransmittable, then I can't, I can't let anybody say that. <laughs> right, right. Okay. And, um, so you decided, well, actually it was him. So let's talk about him for a second. So the mental aspect is really what held him back from per- furthering or well, from it, it ruined your marriage. So him not being okay with you being okay with it is what led to you to separating, right? Yes. And in counseling, I don't know if you can talk about this or not, but in counseling, like what were some of the steps that um, your therapist or therapist or counselor, what would we say? I don't want to say the wrong thing. All right. So what were some of the suggestions that your counselor made for you both? Because, I mean, it's couples counseling, so it's not like it's all him or all you. Right. Right. Um, The suggestion was to... um, you know, like maybe watch our favorite movie, have a date night, you know, not just like to try to jump straight into the bed um, because it was almost like we were dating all, excuse me, we were dating all over again. Right. So it was a matter of, you know, going out, having a date night, coming back, you know, snuggling on the couch, you know, and that was something that, you know, oddly enough that we still did. We would still snuggle on the couch, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't go any further than what it used to. Oh, that's got to be so frustrating. And it was extremely frustrating, um, and then it was a matter of even a suggestion from to me, um, and he didn't know this. It was like, you know, well, just come on to him, you know, like, just kind of, you know, just like walk in front of him nude or something, or, you know, just do, and we that can, would we can I get do that, here. but then it still wasn't, you know, I think it was just a, it was just a, it was like maybe it would start, and then it would just yeah. be a freeze-up. Okay. Because I, I think that was just that mental thing of saying, okay, I know where else this is going to go, let me, Okay. It was like a lockdown, like a shutdown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's unfortunate because, I mean, it, it's you. It's very rare to find someone who's okay with it. And like you said, you made a vow with God. You made a vow with your husband. You know, we're, we're in this together. And mm-hmm. he just couldn't get over that mental block, which kudos to him for that, you know. Um, and I can't, I, I don't know what a lot of people would do in that same situation. I can speak for myself, you know, being in that situation. That's how I would think. I would need a lot of science to back that up. I'd be like, you know, show me 15 people. I want testimonials. I want to see, uh, I want to I watch this happen. Like, show me right. where I will not transmit this to my wife. Right. And so right. Ah, that's, that's, that's a tough situation to be in. 
Um, so working, you guys work through that, and then you know you get through your divorce. And um, how long ago? How long have you been divorced from this particular? Uh, we just divorced in February. Oh, so it's like, oh, so you back on the market, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, please don't fall out of your chair. You lean back real hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's you know, God willing, I'll be fifty in May. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I haven't given up on love. That I definitely have not. Um, but even in being with him, I've learned a new experience of what to put out there on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, of saying that this is what we. These are the conversations that need to be had. Um, before we even go any further, like, what do you see? What are your life goals? You know, do you even want a relationship or do you just want to date or do you just want a booty call? Do you still, wait, do you still deal with that at 49? I know it's 2017, but at 49, I still deal with that at 49. You know, short story. You be having Um, them young dudes coming on to you, don't you? Uh-huh. You got them young dudes that be coming on to you, don't you? <laughs> yes, well, young and old. Um, so I was at an event, and um, uh, I was at an event, and I love motorcycles. Always have. I, you know, hope to have one my one day myself. So I was at an event, and it was a food truck rodeo at a motorcycle club, and. I'm standing there waiting on my food, and this guy says to me, he was like, well, hello, beautiful. He said, you're just natural, no makeup. And I was like, you know, thank you. And um, he said, I'd like to get to know you. I said, okay. I said, well, that's all well and good. I said, so are you married? He said, it's complicated. I said, no, darling, it's not complicated. That's crazy. You called that out right away. (laughs) Yeah, I said, it's a yes or no. There's no complicated. I said, so, okay. I said, so I'll talk to you later. I said, because I'm not dealing with this. And I walked off. And he was like, so you know that just makes me want you more, right? I was like, really? Like, are we really doing this? (laughs) So... That's just where I am right now, and, and the place that I'm in my life is just like, you know, this is what I want, this is what I don't want. I know that there's no such thing as 100, but I do like I would like to at least have 80. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point to make. You know, the 80-20 rule, yep. you know, Tyler Perry, the 80-20 is like, <laughs> yeah, at least want the 80. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's important, too. So you took your previous experiences, and you've decided these are the things that I want. And, you know, you start to ask other people, all right, basically, do you want the same things? Yes. Okay. And that's, that's really important, too. I mean, I mention it a lot when I'm having conversations with people who um, are talking about dating in 2017 or whatever. But a lot of people want a person and they don't really focus on themselves and the things that they want out of life. And when you have it identified that I want A, B, C... You know, it makes it real easy to weed out people who want DEF or XYZ because those things don't line up with what you want. And then at that point, you're changing for a person. You're not really changing for anything greater. So the changes won't stick because ultimately people are who they are and they're just going to continue to grow into the person that they're going to be. So nothing really changes. Right. Um, people just I mean, we, we just are who we are. So um, I'm glad that you shared that, that you decided what you wanted and then you're looking for a match that wants those same things. Because a lot of people don't take the time to figure those things out. This is true. So um, so what's your relationship like with your ex-husband now? Like, Do you guys talk at all? or? We're actually pretty good. Um, I 
pretty cool. Okay. Um, he had a birthday uh, not too long ago, and I called and, and wished him a happy birthday. I even sent him a birthday text, and yeah. he was um, happy to hear from me. And as I told him, I'm always going to love him. That's never going to change. Um, but as I said, and I, you know, I don't know what kind of language I could use. I don't want to be You can say whatever anyone. you want to say. Um, but you know, I said, I'll always love you. I said, but I just got tired of the bullshit. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you feel, do you feel like you said something wrong? <laughs> it's no, not. I just wanted to make sure before I said that, that's why I kind of put it out there first. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't want to offend anybody. So. No, you're not offending anyone. I mean, it's pretty clear. There's some raunchy stuff in some of these episodes, so you're fine. It's oh, like ready. Okay, well, maybe that'll be next time. Yeah, yeah it's like rated Y7 <laughs> in comparison. <laughs> uh, so um, as far as what you're doing now, I mean, how, how have things changed? Since, uh, you know, ending that relationship, well, not ending the relationship, but since uh, your divorce, you know, so what are you up to now? Um, because I saw your website and we're doing. Why, thank you. Giftofpurpose.com. Yeah, here we can go ahead and talk about it now. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, even before uh, getting married um, and once I received my diagnosis, I knew that I did not receive it as a curse. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I knew that it wasn't about that because I was married um, and I found out after the fact, though, that I got it from my ex. And I don't even fault him. That's just how I've grown because he was not knowledgeable. And once I found out just how, um, quote unquote, as I like to call herpes, the sneaky STD, as I found out how elusive it can be, I was like, okay, you know what? People can really walk around and honestly not know this because in my mind, you can tell me that somebody didn't know that they didn't have this. And then once it happened to me, and I was like, wow, okay, I've had this for how many years, and I've been walking around with it, and I'm now having my first outbreak, which, by the way, was like almost 10 years, which was scary. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, this is not cool. So I knew that knowing my status, and that's how I came up with the name for my, my website and my company, um, A Gift of Purpose. Because, yes, not having it is not the gift part, but the, stat, the, the fact of knowing your status is the gift. And knowing that, then you know how to proceed with your life. And you know how to live on purpose from that day forward. Oh, so I that's like that. why I call it a gift of purpose. The status <laughs> is the gift. Mm -hmm. Because some people walk around and don't even know it. Yeah. So, like, you're saying it's a gift to know what your status is. Is that what you're saying? There you go. Okay. Exactly. Got it. And personally, from my experience, being uh, at least diagnosed for, I can't remember if it was six or seven years, but... I was in a relationship for most of that time. So like it didn't really affect me and I didn't realize it was affecting me until like friends pointed out like, hey, you know, you're different in you're, you're you act different sometimes. And then like once I was single, I was like, oh, like that's what this is. And it just took a lot of like self-awareness, um, a lot of introspection and journaling and a lot of like, I, I wish I would have had some sort of a life coach to just guide me through this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what the gift of purpose is all about. You know, I call myself a truth coach because mm -hmm. I think that people need to know the truth. You know, I, I one of the things that I also do at my job is um, I'm on the STD hotline. Oh, and okay. people call in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, what? Um, this, is from, this is separate from what I do as far as, as being a truth coach. Uh -huh. But um, another one of the things that I do at my job is I have, I'm on the STD hotline. And it's called person to person. 
and people call in and they pay $20 to talk for 20 minutes to me. And it's amazing how usually the main question is that people aren't necessarily um, really concerned about themselves when I get down to the nitty gritty of it. It's because they've gone out and they've had that indiscretion unprotected. And then they've gone back home and slept with a significant other. And I've had it from both males and females um, that come, that call in. And I keep asking, you know, well, why are we really talking is sometimes what I'll say. I was like, okay, wh- when are we going to get to the root? And that's what I call it sometimes. And they go, okay, well, here's the thing. I did go out. I cheated. But then I went back home and I slept with a significant other as well. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so now it's still a 50-50. And they go, what does that mean? I said, well, it's 50-50 that you may have something or you may not. And now it's 50-50 that you may have transmitted something to your significant other or not because you chose not to use protection. And understand that even protection is not 100%. Right, right. And so that kind of rocks some people's worlds. I've had people crying and, and I said, you know, I'm not trying to be mean. And then, you know, the tables turn and their, their defenses come down in a good way. When I say the tables turn, when I tell them that they're talking to someone that has an STD or an STI, I was like, I have her. Yes. And do you, you just and see it, how people just completely open up. And when and you're it's like the floodgates yep. just open, it's like the dam broke, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, well, how did you do this? Well, how did you do that? Well, how did you date after that? It's like, well, I'm a different kind of breed. Yeah. And for me, it's just like, look, this is what I'm working with. I don't know if you want to work <laughs> with it or not. And, you know, I said, but I've had people that even they do, even the guys that didn't date me, they said, you know what? They come back hindsight and said, you know what? Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. This goes to show who you are. And yeah. then all of a sudden it's like, can we date? Yeah, no, boo, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's funny you say that because one of the things that was pointed out to me personally was, I realized that I was different around the people who knew my condition, who knew my status, than I was around the people who didn't. So it was like I was more reserved. Uh, it was more of like uh, insecure. I was definitely insecure around people who didn't know. And it's just like you said earlier about feeling like you had the scarlet letter on your forehead, but no one knew. So as I began to open up more about it and talk to more uh, people who also had it, it just made me more confident in myself. And like, I just kind of took that energy of everyone who knew, you know, and just right. took that out into the world. Like, all right, well shit, I'll just assume everybody knows, you know, and it's right. not when you, when you get to the point where you stop thinking about what people might think about you, this is so, this is such a complicated thing. I said it perfectly one time and I can't say it again, but when you think about what other people might think about you it just makes you behave different you just live in this bubble of insecurity and then you go off and you know just not give a fuck <laughs> and right. you more so care about what you think of yourself you project that onto the world and i found that a lot of people just don't care and it's really in the presentation yeah. one of the i mean no. everybody gets rejected here and there um but you have to be okay with the other person that you're telling um, uh-huh. saying no and just looking out for their sexual health. Granted, they may not know if they have it or not. Maybe they just don't want to deal with it or it's just ignorance. Whatever the case may be, you have got to respect the other person's decision about their health. Okay. Exactly. And then, you know, like you said, when people get to talking to other people who they know have an SCD, you just become you, you just become yourself. And that's really what life is all about. Life's about being able to express yourself fully. And if you can do that around people who know what your status is, then 
you know, why not just, you know, open up to the people who matter? Exactly. That's exactly. My, that's, that's my little spiel. Exactly. Good. Good. But um, yeah, that confidence though, like radiates from you. I can see why you didn't have any problems, you know, with your condition at all. Because, like you said, it's just here's what it is. Take it or leave it. And you just look right. At it. Well, it took a minute. Like I said, it took a month. I wallowed for a month. I gave myself. I literally gave myself thirty days to wallow, and mm-hmm. it didn't even really last the thirty days because I was I was called that Tuesday. That Wednesday after work, I went to um, a Whole Foods grocery store and knew that I wanted to treat it holistically yes. because she was like, well, I'm going to have you come in for a follow up like a week from now that you, you know, kind of absorb all of that and take it all in. I was like, OK. So I went that Wednesday to Whole Foods, opened up the big herbal book and found herpes. And I've been taking astragalus and olive leaf for the first year. After the diagnosis, I took astragalus and olive leaf every day, three times a day. I took okay. 30 drops three times a day so when i go back and listen to this i'm gonna have a few words that i need to google on how to spell because i know some people are gonna ask about that uh i'm in a lot of online like groups of people with herpes and oftentimes you get uh the question how do i treat this outbreak what can i use on it naturally because a lot of people you know we i personally agree with the natural approach until it doesn't work <laughs> so right. like with Valtrex, for example, like I manage my stress well by just working out and being mindful of what it is that I'm eating. Oh, so making... that's where the little guns come from. I'm actually a personal trainer, so I got it. This is oh. these are my these are my advertisements. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. Oh, thank you. But uh, nah, you made me lose my train of thought. Y'all got me blushing. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I wanted to make sure that I'm able to uh, list out those treatments, the holistic treatments that you just mentioned, um, so that that can be a useful tool to some people who don't want to take Valtrex or any other medication that there is. Um, right. Yeah, because so- I never did. I told my doctor, by the time I went back into it, it was the following week. And I was already taking the um, olive leaf mm-hmm. and the astragalus. And I take the liquid form because my body absorbs liquids better than it does caplets and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, I began to take it. The hair began to grow like crazy. <laughs> um, every now and then I get my um, hair braided. Um, and even my braider, who is from Senegal, I love her to death. And, you know, she just busted me out because I came back a month later and said, you know, like, what did you do to my hair? You use like cheap hair, like literally blamed her. Like, what did you do with my hair? Like, what's going? She says no. She says when I tell you, you come in, and she has a wonderful accent, and you know she speaks um, uh, patois, and it's like French, and you know everything. And and she said, you know, your skin is even glowing. She said you're just simply gorgeous right now. She says, what are you doing? Ooh. And it was like right after I got diagnosed that I got the hair done, and I didn't tell her, and yeah. I told her. And she says, oh my gosh, she says it has just really transformed you. Though. Wait, she said you got when well, you told her you had herpes. I did. I didn't tell her. Did she say, hey, girl, give me her, some of that? Yeah, and I, she asked me what I had been doing. Because she was like, there's something that you've got to be taking to make your hair grow like this. She said, your hair grows fast anyway. Yeah. She says, but what have you done? She said, because this is because my hair looked like it was not even a month later, probably three weeks later. And it looked like I had had to braise it for two months. Yeah. And because of the olive, because olive leaf, like women use olive oil treatments in their hair. Right, right. But just imagine I'm taking the liquid herb. Uh-huh. And I'm doing that three times a day, 30 drops, three times a day. And I did it for a whole year. Wow. But I 
but I was only probably two or three weeks in after she had braided my hair that all of this was going on. Oh, okay. So we got a new hair growth formula and everything. I'm going to have to take a lot of notes when I listen to this one. <laughs> yes, I take the, the, it's in a dropper bottle that okay. I take and I take the liquid. And like I said, it's olive leaf and astragalus. Okay. It's two different herbs and I mix them together in a bottle. I actually take my bottle with me. I have my own little travel bottle now. So if my stress goes <laughs> up or some, my family member or somebody gets some Moderna nerves, it's like, okay, Just, yeah, let me go pull out my drugs. Uh-huh. My, herbs, my good herbs. <laughs> yeah, your herbs. I pull out my herbs and pop my herbs and I, I drop it underneath my tongue so it you know, goes into the mucous membrane mm-hmm. and let I let it sit there for a while and then I drink water behind it so it doesn't dilute it. And, okay. Um, yeah. Cool. And that, that meditation. Meditation, meditation yes. Oh, that meditation and prayer is powerful. I mean, being able to silence the distractions and voices around you so that you can find your own inner voice and be able to let that navigate you through life. Like, that is some powerful stuff. It and is. I got into yoga myself. Um, shortly after my diagnosis, actually, my best friend was like, man, come to yoga with me. Come to yoga with me. I was like, no, no, no. Then he said, it's just like stretching. So when he said right. that, I realized, I was like, okay, I can see that. I need to stretch. I don't stretch after I work out. I'll go. So I went and fell in love. <laughs> and oh, it's just one day I remember going in and I was so angry about the day that I had at work. And when I left, I was just like, why was I even mad? You know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I let things that aren't even relevant upset me. And so the meditation really just brought me back into a centered space where I could, you know, do whatever it was that I needed to do. So, um, it seems like a really good place to stop for us. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on? I definitely want to make sure that you leave people with your website and let them know, you know, why they should check you out and um, what it is that you have to offer. Okay. Um, I just would like to leave with the fact of, you know, the main thing is no matter what your diagnosis is, no matter whether it's HIV, no matter whether it's herpes, chlamydia, or whatever, always remember that when the body heals, the mind has to heal too in order for it to be a completion. So always deal with the mental aspect of what you've been told because without that, you don't have a complete healing. Wow. That's what I'd like to leave with everyone. I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right, yes. now. How can people find you? You can find me on um, my website is a gift of purpose.com and you'll see my story there. Um, not everything that I've said tonight, but you'll see the story about Swazette, the truth coach, and how I want to help the community and even help those that want to reach out to me. You know, don't necessarily worry about compensation because you know what? This is something that's truly in my heart. And I've even told people that that's why I don't even list pricing on my website, because this is something within my heart that I know I'm supposed to be doing. And you can also follow me on Facebook. Um, this It's the same thing. It's a gift of purpose dot com. I just post, um, you know, informative resources there that you might want to just may know about or you do know about or awareness days. You know, we have HIV um, World AIDS Day coming up on December 1st. That's near and dear to my heart. Yes, because of my ex, you know, that's always going to be there regardless. And that's something that I'm always going to support. Awesome. Okay. All right. And you said uh, World AIDS Awareness Day is December 1st? Yeah, World AIDS Day is December 1st. Okay. Yes. 
All right, World AIDS Day, December 1st. So it looks like I need to put this up tonight. <laughs> All right. So I get to work then. Um, I'm going to have to talk to you after this to write down some things that I need you to spell out for me. <laughs> okay. So uh, if you want, you can go ahead and say bye to everybody. I'll close this out and we can get to we can get this going. Everybody have a wonderful and blessed Thanksgiving. All right. Oh, you done worded it, made it relevant to the day. I'm just glad. All right, y'all. So that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain, and um, I can be found on Twitter at the letter H on my chest. Again, it's just like on my chest. Same thing for Instagram and Tumblr as well. Um, if I don't know. I said I was going to have an outro, but I really don't have one. So please rate and review this episode on iTunes. Um, Again, I'm an amateur podcaster, so don't expect perfection. I'm not going to edit this unless, Wazette, did you say anything that you want me to edit out? Cool. So I'm finna just put this thing on a Google Drive and upload it tonight. <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, peace heaps. Have a great day. Again, I'm H on my chest on Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. I think that's it. I don't know if I'm missing anything. I'll correct myself later. But thanks for listening. Check out other episodes. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever podcast player you're listening to. And stay positive. Peace heaps and other he people i don't know <laughs>